Coming up on Locked on Rams, the one guy who might not be here to run it back. You are Locked on Rams, your daily Los Angeles Rams podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, thanks for making Locked on Rams your first listen every day. We are free and available on all platforms, all your Los Angeles Rams information right here in one place. My name is Travis Rogers. You can follow me on Twitter under my name, at Travis Rogers. You can also follow the at Locked on Rams account. And don't forget our YouTube channel as well. I've been covering the Rams since they came back to Los Angeles doing the pregame show, halftime show, and postgame show on their flagship station, ESPN 710 right here in Los Angeles. So let's get right to it. And by the way, don't forget to click the uh, subscribe button. That's important, both on the podcast feed, wherever you get your podcasts, and of course, on the YouTube channel as well. So let's get right to it. The one guy who, when he was asked at the parade a couple of days ago, whether or not he was going to run it back, um, and he, 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 Aaron Donald got wrapped up into it. Cooper Cup wrapped up into it. All of the guys that we've been talking about, you know, maybe they're coming or going, and maybe they're, you know, we'll, we'll see what it is. They all got involved with one exception, Andrew Whitworth. Andrew Whitworth, when he was asked whether or not he's going to run it back, deferred very quickly and said, well, let's talk about that some other time. Take a listen to that and what he had to say about his career ending here in Los Angeles. Oh, you know what? We'll save that conversation for another day. But what I will say, because I hadn't touched on this yet, five years ago, I was told I was a little too old, and I was told that maybe my time was done. And I tell you this for every single person standing out there that's ever doubted anything you've ever done. Bet on yourself, because five years later, I'm holding this trophy up, and I'm 40 years old. Let's go. Don't let anybody's opinions of you ever become your reality. Bet on yourself. World damn champions. Okay, so let's kind of just jump in on that right there. That this is a guy who clearly has decided, I think, and nothing official yet, but that he's had enough of a, his playing life in the NFL. He's been in the league nearly two decades. He is a Hall of Fame candidate when, when, when he's eligible coming up uh, probably in five years. He's a multiple-time Pro Bowler, and he just closed the whole show with a Super Bowl championship. Andrew Whitworth also managed to do something here in L.A., that's pretty difficult to do, and especially pretty difficult to do when you start and spend the vast majority of your career somewhere else. Andrew Whitworth was drafted by the Cincinnati Bengals and spent two-thirds, basically, of his career in Cincinnati. Was an all-pro, was a very highly regarded guy. He comes to L.A. kind of as a security blanket for Jared Goff, right? They need the left tackle. They need to solidify some performance on that offensive line. Sean McVay and Les Snead identify Andrew Whitworth as that guy, and they go and they get him, and it was basically an opportunity for him to finish his career in a different market, but also be part of a team that's going to be pretty good. And he'll be the the wise old guy. He'll be the guy that kind of gets everybody else through the difficult portions. And he's the perfect guy at the perfect moment, but it's even better than that. It turns out that the Rams, not just were a team that was on the rise, but a team that showed up almost instantly. 
right? That they go from a terrible team at four and 12 to a very good team. This division championship to the very next year, you're in the Super Bowl against the Patriots to three years after that, you're Super Bowl champions in Super Bowl 56. Andrew Whitworth was a huge part of why they were here. And he's more than likely leaving. And it's going to leave a massive hole, not just on the offensive line. I think the Rams, from a player perspective, will probably be okay. Have an opportunity to slide Joe Nopum into that spot, assuming that he's healthy. And really probably not see a massive drop-off at that position. Andrew Whitworth's still a very high-level guy, but he's 40 years old. The largest guy, or I should say the oldest guy ever to start at left tackle uh, in the NFL, in the playoffs, and, and, and certainly in the Super Bowl. Um, you can put Joe. We saw Joe Nopum in the playoffs. We saw Joe Nopum towards the end of the season, and he played very well. He's a very versatile lineman. You can kind of slide him up and down the entire line, maybe with the exception of uh, of center along the way. But it's not just that Andrew Whitworth is going to be gone, and you need to replace your left tackle. It's that Andrew Whitworth is going to be gone, and he's not going to be in the building potentially. He's not going to be available to talk to the other guys on that offensive line, to talk to the other guys in the offensive room, to talk to the entire team. Aaron Donald is going to set the tone. Aaron Donald's going to be the guy that is your best player. He's going to be arguably your emotional leader on the defensive side of the ball. And Matthew Stafford is obviously the quarterback. And with being the quarterback comes all the responsibilities that are inherent in that position. You're the one that's going to talk first. You're going to be the media guy. You're going to be the guy that makes all the money, that does all the commercials, all of those things. Andrew Whitworth's kind of the heart and soul of the offense. Andrew Whitworth is the guy that's doing tutorials for the other guys on the offensive line, the younger guys, the older guys. He's the guy that's leading the sprints during training camp. 40 years old and leading the sprints? Come on, man. I know that that's kind of one of those things. Like, yeah, whatever. What it, it matters. When he showed up, the team was very different. The team had a certain sense of professionalism that wasn't there before. And I think one of the greatest legacies that he's going to leave behind, it's not just that he was a very good player and made Pro Bowls and won a Super Bowl and went to another one. It's that he built a culture of how this offensive line is going to function. And whoever it is next, whether it's Brian Allen or Joe Nopum or Rob Havenstein or Edwards or any of the guys on this line who come back and who were here for the Andrew Whitworth era, they're going to know what it takes to work. They're going to know what it takes to, like you heard in that cut there, to believe in yourself, to not let anybody tell you're too slow, you're too old, you're too heavy, or whatever it might be. Go to work. Do the things that need to get done every day. You need, you know, the coaches can tell you all these things that you want, and sometimes it'll go in and sometimes it won't. But when it's one of your peers, when it's a guy like Andrew Whitworth saying it, makes a huge difference. And you start to understand it and you start to be one of those guys. So when he leaves, his ethos, his personality, his professionalism is still in the building. And it's an incredibly valuable thing that he brought because it stays long after he leaves, long after he's done holding that edge, long after he's done protecting Matthew Stafford and Jared Goff's blind side, his work ethic, his professionalism, his study, his fitness, his toughness, all of these things that he brought to this team will still be there long after he lived. That's how you know you've made an impact on a team, not just by blocking this guy or knowing your assignment or, or having this guy's back, but by leaving a mark in an organization that's still there long after you leave. Aaron Donald's going to leave that mark. Sean McVay is going to leave that mark. And Andrew Whitworth is certainly one of those guys that did it as well. He also did that thing that's so impossible to do, to come in and be a community leader in a relatively short period of time. He, you know, there's a lot of things that have happened during his tenure here in LA. We had the terrible fires. We had that terrible um, shooting up near where the Rams practice. 
He was out and around the community and leading very, very early. He's the guy, and he and his family have donated a ton of money. He has not just come here to play football. He's ingratiated himself into the community, which is incredibly important. You know, you you see people around, whether it's with the Dodgers or whether it's with the Lakers or any USC or any of the other teams that are deeply embedded here in the fabric of the city of Los Angeles. The Rams are starting to do that, and they've done it with guys like Andrew Whitworth. He will absolutely be missed along the way. Just an incredible career. I hope he gets a gold jacket out of the whole thing. Time will tell. That's kind of a political process and everything else that goes along with it, but certainly good enough on the field along the way. All right, coming up next, everything we didn't get to in the Super Bowl, a little Super Bowl grab bag along the way. But before we do that, let's talk a little bit about bet online. Football. Unfortunately, it's over. But basketball, it is in full steam, both pro and college hoops. So whichever version of that, maybe you like them both. Why not get in on both? From all the latest odds, totals, player performance props, to where next coach might be, right? BetOnline.net. It's the number one spot for all your sports betting needs. You don't need to go anywhere else. BetOnline remains the best spot for all your scores, podcasts, and news this season. And it's not just basketball, right? Football is over. We're in the middle of basketball. But BetOnline.net is your source for hockey, boxing, UFC odds, right down to the Olympic coverage and information. Head to the website today. Use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and action. It's BetOnline, where the game starts. All right, so... The grab bag, right? All the little news and nuggets and thoughts that we didn't get to over the course of the last week, kind of unpacking everything that happened in the Super Bowl. Let's start with this. Let's start with the missed PAT, or I shouldn't even say missed PAT. That's that's inaccurate. Botched PAT, I think, is a better way of looking at it. Johnny Hecker. Johnny Hecker's got an interesting case for the Hall of Fame. Punters don't really get in very often. I mean, almost never. But he has been extraordinary. And he was, quite honestly, you know, when they came from St. Louis back to L.A., other than Aaron Donald, Johnny Hecker was their best player and was for a while. Good in the community, good, uh, you know, with the media, all of those things. But he did not have his best year. And he had a year where he had to fight for his job in training camp with uh, Bohorquez. He had a job, uh, or a year, I should say, where his job through the first half maybe two-thirds of the season was not going very well he was not that that guy that's dropping it inside the 10 over and over and over again or when you have a bad field position you can flip it go from your 15 to there if he didn't he didn't have that season and then he got it squared away there towards the end and certainly in the playoffs he did much much better but what about that hold what about that spin? When they, you know, they, it, it's one of those things. You've watched enough football the way that I've watched enough football. You know that those missed PATs or botched PATs or however you want to characterize it, they almost always come back to get you. They're almost always something that you have a hard time shaking loose of later in the game. And when he took that snap and he goes to move that ball, it laces out, right? Laces out, Dan. And he just, he, he muffed it. He, he botched it and the ball's on the ground and they don't get anything done. And instead of being ahead uh, with 14 points, they have 13 points. And you could just feel it building. And certainly, you know, the game plays out the way that it does. The Rams get it back to what go on, what it turns out to be their um, touchdown drive to win the game. They have to have a touchdown because they can't kick a field goal to tie it because that point never came back. You never got a chance to go for two. You never got a chance to try to build a lead. That That one point that you did not get on the PAT is looming incredibly large. 
So there's one school of thought that actually not having that PAT meant that the Rams had to score a touchdown, meant that they did score a touchdown, meant that they did win the game as opposed to kicking a field goal going into overtime, and who knows what happens, right? Maybe you win, maybe you don't, but the game keeps going. But by getting that touchdown, it flips everything. So there's that school of thought, and I'm sure that's probably what he's telling himself at night when he's trying to go to bed and envisioning that ball spinning out of his hands the way that it did. Because if the Rams had lost that game by a point, had the Rams had to go and score a touchdown and come up short, had the Rams been chasing one point the rest of the night, Johnny Hecker's incredible Rams career would be very different. And that's incredibly tough and maybe even a little unfair. It's also very true that had he mishandled that and the Rams ended up losing that game because of that, I don't know if that's something he ever lives down. I don't know if that's ever something that you can reconcile. I get it. It happens. It's sports. Mistakes are made. Routine things get messed up every once in a while. And that's why we watch because you never know what's going to happen. But imagine being the reason you didn't win the Super Bowl because you couldn't execute something that you've done literally thousands of times perfectly. And the time that it mattered the most, you just couldn't get it done. So I'm sure that Johnny wakes up in the middle of the night in a cold sweat every once in a while thinking, oh, my God. (laughs) Right? I would, you would, probably all of us would, but thank goodness uh, it went the way that it did. Okay, so that's number one. Um, Number two, thank you. Thank you, Cincinnati Bengals. Thank you, Zach Taylor. Thank you to whoever it was that called that final play of the game for the Bengals on offense. Because on really the final three plays of their final series, they get the big chunk play to chase. Right now, all of a sudden, they're in midfield. Now you just need to move the ball a little bit further. Evan McPherson's got that giant leg. Maybe they can kick it, send it to overtime, and we're right back to where we were talking about a minute ago. But instead, they get to second and one, and they decide to throw it down the field. Joe Burrow throws it out of bounds. Okay, take a shot. I kind of get it. Maybe you get that touchdown. You win the game. You don't have to go to overtime if you're Cincinnati. Fine. Now you're at third and one. You're going to run the ball. I get it. Get the first down. Keep it moving. Get get a new set of downs. Get a little bit closer, et cetera, et cetera. Then Aaron Donald does what he does. He blows the play up, and now it's fourth and one. And now you're thinking, okay, they're going to have to. Re- they're going to go big. They're going to do something. They're at least going to make you think through it defensively. Only they took half of their options off of the table. They line up in a shotgun formation. They put. I when, when he went back there, I was convinced that it was just an opportunity to see the defense, to see if they could see something else, that he was going to come back underneath the center and they were going to line up in a more traditional format. Because if he's under the center, at least the possibility of the run, I have to defend the run first. I just can't go get Joe Burrow. If he's in the, if he's in the, uh, the shotgun and he's back there by himself and you see the guy come out of the back, if you're Aaron Donald, if you're Leonard Floyd, if you're Von Miller, if you're any of these guys, you don't have to worry about the run. You don't have to you know, get off your block, look first, and then, okay, no, nothing, nothing's happening, go. They took half of their options off of the table. I couldn't believe Aaron Donald's back there like that. I know that Jamar Chase had a step on Jalen Ramsey. We've all seen the video. Thank goodness it didn't come to that. But if this shoe were on the other foot, if the Bengals were on defense and the Rams were looking at a fourth and one and they went empty in a shotgun, what are we talking about here? We're talking about why, why in the world did you run that play? And especially if Aaron Donald's on the other side of the field, come on, man. Thank you, thank you, thank you for making the decision that you did because that felt like a missed opportunity for Cincinnati to at least make me what 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 sports, right? I don't know what you're going to do. You don't know what I'm going to do. The more things that I think you might do, the harder it is for me to pick the one that you might go to first and stop. And you just basically said, okay, it's going to be a pass. If Aaron Donald knows it's going to be a pass, come on, man. 
what are we doing here? And he did exactly what you'd expect. He got his hands on Joe Burrow, spun him around. Burrow kind of flipped it in the air the same way that Jimmy G did. Uh, that one nearly completed, but it was a very, very fortunate decision by Zach Taylor and the Bengals. And then lastly, at the end of the game, you know how it goes. The odds immediately come out at the end of the Super Bowl for next year, right? That's how much we love the NFL, that we go from the playoffs to the Super Bowl to the draft to the odds to what's going to happen next year to free agency. We don't take a lot of time to savor these things. So very quickly, the odds come out for the 2022 uh, season. The Rams have the third best odds. Best odds on the board are Kansas City, followed closely by Buffalo, and then the Rams right behind the Buffalo Bills. And you know what? That feels about right. That feels about right. Kansas City's got the quarterback. Kansas City has all those playmakers. They've got a very good head coach. You could probably say the same thing about the Buffalo Bills. They feel like they are certainly on the rise after seeing how they played in uh, the playoffs last year. You know, who knows? If Josh Allen gets a chance to put his hands on the ball in overtime in Kansas City, maybe we're having a very different conversation. Maybe the Rams had to play a different opponent in the Super Bowl. Maybe Cincinnati can't beat Buffalo the way that they did Kansas City. So I'm okay with that. I that being said, the Rams are the top team in the NFC, and we just don't know who's coming or going. I think we got the Aaron Donald thing figured out. I think we got the Sean McVay thing figured out. But there are some other questions, like we talked about at, at, off the top of the pot. It's Andrew Whitworth. Is he gone? And if he is, who do you use to replace him? How do you get better in that secondary? I think that's something that they need to address very, very quickly. We'll talk about that on subsequent editions of Locked on Rams. We'll talk about the linebacker position. They're going to have to get some of that figured out as well. Does OBJ come back? Does Vaughn Miller come back? I think these questions right there are the reasons the Rams probably aren't closer to the top and more where I think they probably should be in that third position uh, with what we've seen. 10 to 1, uh, you know, plus 1,000, whatever, however you want to look at it. Um, I like it. I, I think that's a good position for them. I think they're probably going to be heavy favorites to win the division. You see all the turnover that's going on there. Kyler Murray is acting like an eighth grader. Russell Wilson may or may not be in San Francisco. Trey Lance will be either a very green quarterback running the San Francisco 49ers or they'll have a new quarterback in. I think it sets up really nicely for the Rams. Okay, so we've been through an entire week of post-Super Bowl celebrations. Your comments from the Locked on Rams YouTube channel coming up next. We'll respond to those in just one minute but first man you digging out from underneath your uh super bowl party your super bowl spread your food your drink and everything else and you're feeling well, a little little logie maybe right how about bill bar put the bill bar back into your routine get back on track make sure that you're feeling good make sure that you're making good choice and if you haven't tried one of these, I don't know what you're waiting for. They are the best tasting bars out there. Try the Puffs, right? Puffs are the first ever protein-infused marshmallow. It's fluffy. It's marshmallowy, if that's a word, which I think it is. They're not just a protein bar. It's a nice little treat, and they're covered in 100% real chocolate. And it's the good stuff, right? I can tell you about the 130 calories, the four net carbs, 17 grams of protein. It's the good stuff. It's the stuff you want. Go to built.com. Scroll down to the macros chart. You will be blown away. High protein, low calorie, high fiber, low carb. That's what you want. At Built Bar, they're all about the taste too. They make it taste great first and they figure out how to put all the good stuff in it. So sorry, you do it. Built.com. Use the promo code LOCKED15 and get 15% off of your order. Use that promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at Built.com. Okay, thanks for making Locked on Rams your first listen every single day. Make sure you click that subscribe button so you get it every single day. Free and available on all platforms. And 
the Locked on Rams YouTube channel. If you want to look at me as I talk about the Rams, you can do that as well. And of course, you can post comments on the Locked on Rams YouTube channel, which I want to get into right now. It is a post-Super Bowl celebration. Uh, a lot of positivity in the comments, which is always good. That's kind of rare for the internet, right? People feeling good about things, people saying nice things to one another. That's a, a refreshing change of pace. Let's start with this. This is from um, Temple Hills Frank. And he writes, in Detroit, we watched him for 12 years. We had no doubt. We already knew it. He's talking about Matthew Stafford. That was on the Matthew Stafford legacy changing pod. Um, I'm glad. I, I'm glad. Look, look, it doesn't happen like this very often. It doesn't happen where a number one pick comes in, gives you everything he's got, plays at an incredibly high level, and then says, you know what, you guys aren't giving me enough as an organization. You guys aren't giving me enough as far as consistency, basic competency. I need to go somewhere else. And everybody's okay with it. I don't think there were too many Lions fans in Detroit or anywhere else that are looking at Matthew Stafford and thinking, well, you know, what, what do you mean you want to go? I think they all got it. I think that the organization, as poorly run as they are and have been for years and years and years, I think they kind of got it. Like, yeah, okay, this guy's given us everything there is to give. Let's move on to another thing. Um, it, and it worked. It worked for him. You know, we'll see whether or not it works for the Lions. They're going to have to turn those picks into some pretty good players for it to be, a, you know, a, a straight-up good trade on their end because Jared Goff's not the answer for those guys. Jared Goff's not the quarterback of the future in Detroit. And to hear Temple Hills Frank say that, that we knew already, there was no doubt, that makes me feel good because I, I, I th there was a little bit for me in the sense of, well, we'll see. I don't know for sure. But if you watched him week in and week out the way that uh, it sounds like Temple Hills Frank did, then maybe you did know that just give this guy some good players, give him a good coach, give him a functioning organization, and the rest of this stuff will take care of itself. So that's number one. Let's go to Gary Welgars, who is the second one talking about the uh, no-look pass that Matthew Stafford threw to Cooper Cup. He says, watch the video closely in slow-mo, and you will see that it was a no-look pass to Cup on that last drive. Awesome. Yeah, you know, it, it's funny. We've talked about it here on Locked on Rams. Click subscribe. You know how to do it. Um, it's one of the great plays in Super Bowl history. And because it didn't win the game, because it wasn't the final play of the game, let, let, let's go back to what I are. There's two kind of catches in Super Bowl history that I think kind of stand out above, and certainly in recent Super Bowl history, maybe not going all the way back to like the Lynn Swan days who made a great catch against the Cowboys. But I'm talking about the David Tyree catch where he pins the ball against his helmet. We all remember that one because it was a fourth down play. If it doesn't happen, he's getting dragged down to the ground. It was it was extraordinary and, and one that I think football fans will remember forever and ever. And then there's the Ben Roethlisberger to Santonio Holmes in the back corner of the end zone to win the game for the, the Steelers against the Arizona Cardinals. It was a perfect throw and a perfect catch, a perfect toe tap that won the game for the Steelers. Because this one came in the middle of a drive, and, and, and quite honestly, more towards the front end of the drive, and because it was happening in a two-minute situation, because there wasn't a lot of time to stop and review and go back and, and telestrate and circle this guy and the head's pointed over here and the body's over here and he's, you know, he's not even in the picture. It wasn't until the next day when Twitter and all the, the football websites out there kind of drew it up from the high angle, the all 22, as they say. And you could see that it really was to you know, kind of envision a, a, the face of a clock Matthew Stafford has dropped back, and he's looking at like 2 o'clock, right? He's looking at Bryson Hopkins, who's open at 2 o'clock. He's staring him down. And he throws the ball to like 11 o'clock. 
and Cooper Cup just comes flying into the picture. It catches him in stride, and he's gone, and he's 22 yards, first down. Here it goes. If that happens a little bit closer towards the end of the drive, it's one of the great throws and catches in NFL history. It's in the Super Bowl. It sets up a Super Bowl winning touchdown throw to the very same guy, by the way. It was a perfect illustration of why you went and got Matthew Stafford at the first. It was a the right call, the right look off, the right throw, the right route, the right guy catching it, the right guy delivering it. it, it everything had to be executed perfectly, and it was. That doesn't happen all that often, and it really doesn't happen all that often towards the end of the Super Bowl. So I agree with you, Gary. I think it was as good a play as you're ever going to see, and I hope that as the Super Bowl videos come out and we get a little bit further from it, that that's one of the plays. You're going to remember the catch. You're going to remember the catch that Cooper Cup makes to put them ahead, ultimately win the game. You're going to remember Aaron Donald getting his hands on Joe Burrow on that fourth and one and then sacking him or, or nearly sacking him and pointing to his ring finger like, we, I did it, I did it. You're going to remember those moments. But man, if you don't, it, this needs to be one of those right near the top of the list as well. Just an extraordinary throw by a guy that was at the peak of his powers at the moment and something that's going to go down in Super Bowl history for sure. This is from Claude Rock. Uh, it's great for an organization that has an owner that's willing to spend the bucks, but really takes a hands-off approach when it comes to the team. Yeah. Yeah. Let me say it one more time. Yeah. This is this is kind of perfect, right? That I, I I have a theory. I have a theory that your team can only be as good as your owner is. That if your owner is not in the right frame of mind, not committed to winning, not willing to spend money, and also needs to be the center of attention, any of any combination of those things, you're in deep trouble. What you're looking for is an owner that wants to win, that is willing to spend the money, that is willing to be aggressive that is willing to take some chances along the way and at the same time empowers the people that he's hired to make these decisions to go make those decisions. Stan Kroenke's a pretty low-profile guy here in town. You don't hear from him very much at all. You don't see him very much at all. He's a very quiet guy, as quiet as a billionaire can be, really. You just don't see him very often. But have you ever heard the Rams making a decision based on economics? That they're not going to do this, that, and we can't, you know, we just gave Todd Gurley all that money. We can't just cut him. Nope, gone. See ya. Hey, listen, we just traded away everything to get Jared Goff. We just gave him a hundred million dollars, but it's not working out. Okay, fine. Get him out, bring the new guy in. They they're incredibly aggressive. They just built the greatest football stadium in history. And it's going to become an incredible attraction for free agents, for fans, for everybody. Didn't spare an expense. And have you ever heard about Stan Kroenke being involved in, hey, uh, you know, I really think we should go get Odell Beckham. You think that Stan Kroenke has ever had any of these Jerry Jones, Daniel Snyder moments where they're overly involved in this? You're, it, not really. Give me Les Snead. Give me Kevin Demoff. Give me Sean McVay. Give me these guys that know how to run organizations, coach football, select players, run a business. All these guys have different lanes that they're in. And let them go do their thing. You're, you're absolutely right, Claude Rock. Nice nice Twitter era <laughs> YouTube name, by the way. Um, but you're right. This is, this is how it works. If the, if, if the tip of it is really, really functioning, right? Look, look at the Lakers for years and years with, with Jerry Buss. Jerry Buss was the, really the perfect. He understood how it works. He was willing to spend the money to make it work. And then he went and hired the, go, okay, I'll take Pat Riley. I'll take Jerry West. I'll take Phil Jackson. And he just, give me this guy, this guy, this guy, this guy. And then you let him go. You let him do what they're supposed to do. You don't get involved. You don't take the credit when it happens. You're not looking to be, they, they don't care if the first sentence is, 
Stan Kroenke builds a winner. Jerry Buss wins. It's the Rams win. The Lakers win. The Dodgers win. There's not somebody standing at the front of the line the way that there could be in Dallas or other places, right? That, that Jerry Jones find. No, 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 no. Jerry Jones wants that headline. The Rams aren't looking for that headline. The Dodgers and the Lakers aren't. Genie Buss doesn't need the, the Lakers are back under Genie Buss. They just need the Lakers are back. That's fine. And I think that's what they get. And I think that's what Claude Rock is getting at. And they're set up for a while. Keep spending that money. Keep delivering a high-level customer experience. Keep putting an entertaining product on the field. And if you keep winning, even if it's not Super Bowl championships, people are going to be lining up and they're going to be loving what you're selling and they're going to keep buying it. All right, thanks for making Locked on Rams your first listen every single day. My name is Travis Rogers. Make sure you click that subscribe button, both on our Locked on Rams YouTube channel and right there in your podcast free. We are free and available on all platforms. Now, for your second listen, you know how to do it. It is Locked on Bets, hosted by your boy Q, with expert analysis by Lee Sterling. Until next time, whose house? It's Locked on Rams house.